show. You got a marvelous vibe, and I know it starts from inside. So fill your heart with pride and let your light shine brightly. Yo, don't hide. You're a work of art, unforgettable and off the charts. Welcome to a podcast dedicated to your mental health. I'm Bailey with the Recording Library of West Texas. Hi, I'm Christy Edwards. I'm the Executive Director and a therapist at Centers for Children and Families. Hi, I'm Melanie Size. I'm the Marketing and Development Director at Centers for Children and Families. Together, we're bringing you tips and tricks on how to navigate this thing called life. This is Center Solutions. Due to the nature of some of the topics that are discussed, listener discretion is advised. We are very excited about today's episode because currently we are sitting at the Sibley Nature Center because today's episode is going to be about nature and the benefits to your mental health when it comes to getting outside and getting a little exercise. It's an, it's another COVID edition of Center Solutions. And according to an article in the University of Washington News, thousands of studies have shown nature's positive impact on health and well-being, even in urban areas and for people living in more confined areas. One study found that a 20-minute dose of nature in cities reduced stress levels. Another showed that more tree cover helped lessen symptoms of depression among residents of nursing homes. And bring us to our current state today when we're in the middle of a pandemic we see, I don't know, I would have to, I, I think I can speak for all of us in saying we see more people outside than ever. It's kind of the irony of being asked to stay in, maybe. Um, joggers, walkers, bike riding, kids playing outside. It's Social isolation has created a reason to connect with nature, uh, kind of a silver lining, and our little cloudy normal right now. And we are here with uh, Phil Salonik. Uh, the Education Director of the Sibley Nature Center here in Midland. Hi, Phil. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, and it's in the rest of the team. Everybody's here. Um, Hi. This is a a special edition because we are on site. Of course, we're very socially distanced, as we're supposed to be, but we are going to uh, get some information about what's going on here at Sibley Nature Center and then We're going to take a walk, and during that walk, we're going to have a little audio description um, that Bailey can explain for our uh, visually impaired audience. Bill, would you like to tell us about yourself and about Sibley Nature Center? Yeah, um, I'm the education director here at Sibley Nature Center, and we're just down the road from downtown Midland, and we celebrate the flora and fauna of the Llano Estacado, this big flat tablelands that stretch from North Panhandle down here to where we are. Um, We have our Howard Trail, which uh, features trail shelters, ponds, um, canals, interpretive signage. We have a native native habitat garden, uh, all on 49 acres. Here inside the center, uh, we have about a 5,000-square-foot building. We have um, a natural history library, of course, for non-lending, uh, bone and insect collections, uh, minty, many mounted specimens, um, a fully enclosed wildlife viewing area, and a few active beehives in there. And one of the favorite attractions for visitors is a um, 200-million-year-old uh, dinosaur skull 
called a phytosaur from the Triassic period. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it has crocodile-like jaws. It's pretty cool. That's pretty exciting. We're hoping not to see any bee, not to mess with any beehives today, right, ladies? <laughs> We've been correct. Steer clear of the bees today. And Christy, how important is it to get outside and go visit a place like Sibley Nature Center? If anybody has listened to our podcast in the past or, you know, just listened to a doctor, a therapist, anybody, um, you know how important or you've been told how important it is um, to get outside, to get some sunlight, um, just to be out, um, you know, hearing the wind blow, the birds chirp, those kind of things. It's calming for our natures. It is good for the, you know, the vitamin D that comes from the sun. And it's nice just to have the fresh air. So on, on the list of things that we normally recommend um, to people that are having anxiety or depression, getting outside and getting fresh air is the number one, right, you know, and then followed by eating a proper diet. So, I mean, some of the things that, you know, getting outside and being in nature can do is help with um, feelings of low energy. I mean, once you go outside and, you know, you, you kind of get a little bit invigorated, the hopeless feelings that you might have from the isolation that we've just, you know, that we were kind of had it imposed upon us, when you're mm-hmm. outside, Seeing people, even if you're social distancing, like in my own neighborhood, when we're walking our dogs, people are very careful, like to cross the street. Somebody will cross over or go around, but you're still being able to say hello to people. You know, you, you kind of still feel like you're part of a community. I don't know if I can speak. I mean, for myself, I've not my it, it's part of it, too, is your uh, your routine's thrown off. So I think that affects your energy levels. It's just. I, the whole thing is so strange. You know, I agree. And, you know, people that are homeschooling their kids, it's very much written in the curriculum that they take a break during the day to be outside because it promotes learning, you know, brain development, brain, um, you know, but it's not like a sponge, but openness um, to things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're not just in sitting in a classroom or sitting in your, you know, living room or kitchen doing homeschooling, getting outside is very important. Yeah, um, I'm sure I, we're all experiencing this at the same time. Many of us are stuck at home, and that's something that we can't, we tend to forget. So it is important just to walk outside just for a little bit and just, just get let the sunlight just kind of shine on you. And, you know, and I don't know about you guys, or you know, maybe just me, but I'm always feeling like if I'm doing some healthy things for myself, then – I I feel like I can do other healthy things like eating, you know, healthier, getting some exercise. Mm-hmm. I find that I fall asleep easier if I've been outside and gotten some sunlight and some fresh air. Oh, same here. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with why people are gravitating toward uh, places like the Sibley Center because it's it's a nature walk, which yes. is great. Um, yes. We're all trying to reconnect with something uh, in a weird way where we're, held apart that brings us close together close to something that is uh, just benefiting our brain as well as our physical um it is hard to explain um kind of the power in nature and relieving uh both physical and mental stress or anxiety but you know there's there's not much more relaxing than sitting with a cup of tea and looking out the window or listening to the wind blow the the branches and the leaves. I mean, there's just something about my yeah. calm that, um, no. you know, doesn't to me. Yeah, you know, and, 
and, and I know that people of a certain age, like my age, um, you know, we grew up outside a lot. We didn't have video games. We didn't have our own phones and things like that. So to me, it's like this is what feels normal. And, you know, it's like Phil was saying, it's it's there's nothing calmer than just sitting and listening to it and kind of, you know, if you want to be kind of hippy dippy about it, communing with nature. <laughs> You know, feeling the sun, feeling the wind, hearing the noises, it's quite different than the hum of your air conditioner inside your home. Yeah, there's a a reason why vacation, we flock to beaches Mm -hmm. and lakes Mm -hmm. and mountains. And I mean, there's a reason for it. It's it's kind of a respite from all of the hustle and bustle that right now has kind of stopped a little bit for most of Mm -hmm. us. So it's, it's a great opportunity to meditate if that's your thing or practice grounding that we've talked oh, about yes. before. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. so much. Really That's important. actually a really good point. That's a good place to stop. I mean, if you yeah. have to do that uh, that special practice that we do um, mm-hmm. with the five senses, this is a great place to do that. Mm-hmm. And just take you taking your shoes off and, and feeling the dirt. Yeah. Well, it's a little hot for that now, but. <laughs> I know. Well, West Texas, we a, you never know. It's a great day to come out yeah. here, you know. The 100 degree weather, it's okay. We're you can girls. go for a walk under 100 degrees, you're doing pretty good that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Phil, how yeah. long has the Sibley Center been in operation? Uh, we opened in 85, 1985, so 30, 30 years. 35 years. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, We used to be, um, we started with just the trail system, but the local soil and water conservation donated this building to us, and we became the nature center. This 49 acres actually used to be the original water whale field for Midland. Oh, wow. I did not know that either. Yeah. That's that's very interesting. Um, So... We've talked about how uh, our mental health is affected on a kind of a, a light level, but there's also something to uh, not getting outside and it affecting maybe your vitamin D levels. And mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of very uh, scientific data on how it affect how things that affect your physical health go on and translate into your mental health and vice versa, right, Christy? Oh, I mean, it absolutely does. So it's once again, you know, whenever we were talking about if you have low energy and you get outside, uh, you know, and it can improve your energy level. Some of the things that we are having reported to us during this time of isolation um, is that people are having that low energy. They're, they are feeling hopeless. They're less patient with, you know, their siblings, their kids, their spouses, their your cellmates, your family, <laughs> your cellmates. <laughs> yeah. Well, you called it that, but I'm going to agree with you. So, it it also does affect your ability to sleep. I mean, being outside, doing something physically active, it doesn't mean you have to run a marathon. But even just walking around, or like Bailey said, you know, take your shoes off, walk in the dirt, walk on the cool mm-hmm. grass. You know, do something. That is, um, you know, we're having a hard time falling asleep and paying attention. I think sometimes what you get is that healthy dose of vitamin D and that. Yeah. Um, air and then your your um, senses are heightened or sharpened. So you know, it you know. reminds me of seasonal affective disorder. No, a little yeah. bit. I mean, because mm-hmm. we're stuck inside, so it's a different. It's just different. It's, yeah, and we're listing um, all the same symptoms that go with seasonal affective disorder. You know, we have an already... entire episode on that available on SoundCloud. 
Yes, yes we, we do. do. You know, if you already have a mental health condition, and it doesn't have to be a serious mental health issue, but anything, um, it, it can be made worse by the isolation and just not being able to, to totally connect. So, you know, you have a hard time concentrating because it's like, okay, I'm sitting here in this house again. I've walked the same path around my house. I've walked the same path, you know, through my garage or whatever it is. Get outside, find yourself a path. That's going to help some. That's good information. Um, so when we look at, um, let's see, there was a study at the University of Kansas that found that spending more time outdoors and less time with our electronic devices can increase our problem-solving skills and improve creative, creative abilities. So if you think about how connected we are to our phones, right, all the time, mm-hmm. it's nice to see people actually putting that down for a minute and i think it's because we're it's we're so connected so to all of our um you know now we're doing zoom meetings and i think Mm -hmm. we're all getting overloaded and tired of it Mm -hmm. one one funny thing uh, observing my own neighborhood i had this young mother come up and she said i don't know what my five-year-old's obsession is with sticks and i'm like okay I grew up playing with sticks. Sticks are fun, you know, and it was just like every night he has like st- he brings sticks in. We have sticks all over the house. So it's. Uh, but that's normal, right? But it's, it is. It is so normal. We want kids to play with sticks. We want kids to bring leaves in. We want kids to to be questioning things. We want kids to get stay up late enough to see the sun go down, um, you know, to see the birds that come in at the end of the evening. We have play therapy at Sunners. Um, which I think corresponds very well to kids getting out and playing mm-hmm. because there's a whole uh, concept behind that, the importance of play, how it, how it creates development in our, uh, it's such an important part of our existence. And I think it all goes hand in hand. Well, you know, it's, I think we have a sign in one of our play therapy rooms that says the job of children is to play. Mm-hmm. Right. So that is how they learn. It is hands on experience. It is a create creative um, flow that happens whenever you're playing with sticks or collecting leaves or watching not birds come in or hearing the coyotes out where I live out on the edge of town. You start hearing the coyotes and wolves, whatever those rangy animals are, are, you know, yip, yip, yipping. And it's just things that we I don't think we normally hear because we're in our homes um, having homework, dinner, baths. Mm-hmm you know, bed. So I think it is an important, important time for us to embrace being out in, in nature. Yes. Now's a great time for a technology detox. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that has a lot that, that helps. It's got to help a little with uh, things like attention deficit disorder and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just bringing us to a different kind of focus. I really truly believe being disconnected is one of the one of the silver linings if we have to find some positives here. I think it would be great whenever kids go back to school and they have show and tell or that, you know, what did you do over your summer? <laughs> so, right. you know, people are going to be able to come back and go, oh, my gosh, I found out that there's life after 7 o'clock outside or something like that. It's, you know, yes. I think it's going to be I, did, I wasn't on my iPad the whole time. I was that on my iPad nice. the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, Phil, I have a personal question for you. What brought you to the Sibling Nature Center? What do you love about your job? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, bottom line, I'm an educator, and I do love nature. So it was really just a perfect fit. 
I've done similar work, um, traveling environmental educator and I studied outdoor education in college. So, um, I started up in Maine as a canoe and snowshoe guide and worked in Wyoming doing similar stuff. And I'm from West Texas and I finally came back and, um, yeah, I never thought I'd be able to work in this capacity out here in West Texas because, you know, unfortunately, Sibley is the only name in the game. But uh, That's pretty neat to be able to do something you love. And then Bill has this fantastic hat we were talking about. Oh, yeah, we all want the hat. <laughs> yeah, a big wide-brimmed straw hat. Um, it, it's perfect. We we were hoping he had extras. but you know. It looks kind of silly, but I won't be sunburned. Today. No, I'm thinking maybe you should get those and have them in a gift shop. <laughs> that would be awesome. I think that would be a great idea. So um, if you are, if, would you like to share some of your um, contact information or what would you say to people that are looking for something to do to invite them out here? Um, unfortunately, the our nature center is still closed at this point. Um, you know, until mid-May at least, but we are located at 1307 East Wadley. Um, we have a couple miles worth of trails that are open to the public. And just in case our phone number is 432-684-6827, and I can be reached on email, uh, phil at siblinaturecenter.org. Phil, will you kind of explain the difference in when the Sibley Center part that's indoors, like what all is inside there compared to the trails, which are open? Sure. The trails, um, we have shaded pavilions out on the trail systems. We do have a pond um, and interpretive signage. That's pretty much it for the trails. In the Nature Center, we have our non-lending library. Um, we have an auditorium for programming. We have our Yana room, which is mostly for kids. Our kids don't. And we have exhibits in here, um, mounted animals. Of course, those are reptiles, birds, mammals, uh, fossils, and uh, a three-sided glass room, our wildlife viewing area, where there are quite a bit of birds, uh, insects, and we've even seen uh, bobcat and fox in there. Plus, we do have our two beehives as well out there. <laughs> That's really fantastic. So, we have an activity that we are going to present while we do a little walk of the trails, socially distanced, and I think Bailey's going to lead us through it. You want to describe what uh, what we're going to do, Bailey? Yeah, so I'm really excited about this because I'm going to kind of have Phil chime in here and describe some of the things more in a, an educational, scientific way. Um, an audio description is basically we're just going to use all of our senses other than visual to explain what's going on around us, what we smell, what we can feel, what colors are around. So that way people with a visual impairment have equal access to information so they can join us on the trail also. So it's going to be a really fun project. And I'm ready when you guys are. Yes, let's head out. Let's do it. Definitely got hotter. So hot. (laughs) And I like being outside, but I wasn't expecting it for today. 
So we were inside the building where the animals are and all the things that Phil just described. We were indoors for that. Okay, so once you exit the building, you come out the door and to your right, there is some antique farm equipment that they have on display here. It looks like a tractor plow and some other wheelbarrows and various other antique farm equipment. And yeah, we got I see a windmill. And a windmill. Yes, a beautiful windmill. Yeah, this piece here, these are just, um, we want to see how people lived here 150 years ago or so. I mean, these are mule or horse-drawn plows and cedars. Uh, pretty pretty rough living out here. Uh, as you can see, there's a lot of mesquite, this uh, shrub-like tree, you know, six feet tall. Uh, it dominates the landscape here, although historically on the Llano Estacado, it did not dominate the landscape. It was more restricted to draws and canyon lands where there's water. But um, uh, since we don't have bison, we start we started suppressing fire, uh, that kind of stuff. It's really taking a foothold. So this doesn't look anything like what it used to look like out here. It was more of a short grass prairie, probably that knee-high, thigh-high grass. Looks like uh, ocean when it's blowing in the wind, kind of like over here. That's really great. Okay, are you going to lead us in a, on the path? Yeah, Phil, we'll just follow you, and you can tell us about some of your favorite things out here. Uh, we're walking over our sequia. These are uh, rock-lined irrigation ditches. This was a technology used in Mexico that was used up here as well. It's a way to move water. Um, right now, there's a red-winged blackbird flying above us. Yeah, mostly black, but had a little red patch there on the side of his belly. Um, right now, I'm smelling. It's almost kind of like um, like honey. I do smell it. It, smells it does like smell sweet. Yeah. Yeah, these are the Wasachi daisies. Um, they're the little yellow flowers. They look kind of like sun, sun rays shining out from the middle of that flower. Yeah, they're very pretty. Yeah, they have uh, slender, fuzzy leaves clustered at the base. And do some of these plants, do they mostly um, come out more in the springtime? Yeah, like the, the wasachis, they're actually blanketing most of the landscape out here. Um, they will bloom March March through May, and then they'll bloom again probably September, October. They'll go dormant for the heat. Okay, and right now we're on, there's a sign, a handwritten sign that says Raymond Howard Trail. Is that the trail that we're on now? Yep, we're on the Raymond Howard Trail system. Um, well, it's, it's pretty dry out here, huh? Yeah, and it we, feels pretty dry. It's very it's dry here Texas. today, especially. <laughs> Um, there are some plots out here at Tiffany where we've taken out, removed the mesquite trees. So we have um, what is representative of the native prairie we used to have. So this grass is probably knee high. It's called a weed. It's not really a grass, but it's dotted also with these yucca. The uh, 
a shrub. They have the long sword-like and the big seed pods extending from the middle. They will bloom with the white flower too, but not. They're not blooming now. They're not ready yet. Well, I like the right now. You can see kind of a spray. It looks almost kind of like our own little patch of wildflowers here. It's really mm-hmm. yep. very pretty. Yeah, these are all those Wasachi daisies. There are other wildflowers speckled in here as well, but the Wasachi. Are- yeah, that it's yellow just- is so vibrant. A lot of cactus plants out here too. Yep, the these are the yuccas. And we do have some prickly pear here as well with the the small red fruit, edible fruit. The cool thing about these trails too is it's quite a walk. It's you should dedicate a couple of hours to spend out here. It's not a quick little walk, although you can go at your own pace, but it's a pretty good walk. I, yeah, I agree got, with that, but it may be many when it's not quite so hot. <laughs> yeah, it is very hot. It, I mean, nice, beautiful blue sky today with some clouds. It's actually not as bad as I thought it would be, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not nice. windy like usually. Yeah. Yeah, our trails, um, over a mile of them are this six-foot-wide crushed granite, which is real easy to walk on. Uh, but we do have single-track dirt trails running off of this as well. And under some of these mesquite, um, this is what we call Christmas cactus or tasajillo. It's like uh, a cactus with these long, skinny leaves and little bitty red fruit. And oh, that yeah. red, those almost... little bitty red fruits, I mean, they're about the size of your, your fingernail. But they're good forage for animals and little rats and bunnies too out here. What kind of wildlife do you usually see out here? There are definitely cottontail rabbits, uh, jackrabbits, uh, great foxes. You can see sign of bobcat, scat, um, coyote too. But, you know, you don't hardly see those animals. You'll just see a sign of them. And then wood rats, uh, all sorts of birds. We do have snakes out here as well. Oh, some of those animals I do not want to see today. <laughs> yeah, we've never never had a rattlesnake out here, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were out here. You can really smell those wasachis right now. Wow, it's very strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is blowing just right at us. Yeah, these yuccas, these... Shrubs or cactus here with the tall, skinny stalk. Those are only pollinated by one creature. That's the yucca moth. The symbiotic relationship is pretty cool. Wow. It, it, so it's a moth? Yep. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty standard-looking moth, but they're the only ones that pollinate that flower, and that's the only food source for that moth. I think it's fascinating that there's so much information about a spot that we probably just passed by or walked through because we're, you know, trying to get some exercise. But uh, so many details. It's really pretty. Uh, it's kind of easy to fantastic. glaze over it, you know. Uh, yeah. But the more time you spend, the more you can learn, the more you can piece together. There are also what we call middens. Um, they're just piles of sticks. See underneath some of these trees, and that's where these creatures 
uh, their shelter, their homes. They're just piles of these dead mesquite uh, limbs and keeps them out of the sun and keeps them away from predators like hawks and foxes. Well, for our homeschooling parents, this would be a really great place to come and do a field trip, huh? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're open to do field trips. Uh, a field trip typically out here would consist of a nature center tour, a trail walk, and a youth and family garden tour. Right here to our left, this is our youth and family garden. It is gated and it's closed to the to trail walkers um, after hours, but it's a beautiful place. And what it exactly is. is that for? What What is the community garden? Uh, it's all native plants, uh, and it's a pollinator garden. So we have a bunch, we have, I don't know, 10 or 12 different species of milkweed out here. But it's also a place for students to come and uh, grow produce and harvest that. And it's a cute little area with um, different colored, the roof has different colored pillars on it, green and blue and orange, and it's really fun. Yeah, it's a straw bale structure built with hay bales and it dovied over. Very good insulation value, yeah. So are we still on the same trail, Phil? Yeah, this is all the same trail. I'm not very good with the direction, so I think I can get lost out here. (laughs) We're stepping over some water, which it's kind of nice because I can smell the fresh water. I love that smell of like a freshly um, watered front yard. Mm, Yes. I love that smell. Yeah, I think it just came from the porta potty. <laughs> well, I don't like I don't like that smell. I don't like yeah, that, I that smell. smell. That's a whole different. I love that smell. <laughs> yeah. Hey, water's water in West oh, Texas, not daily. Well, we're getting some physical and mental health covered today, aren't we? Here are the blankets of the pretty yellow flowers again. So nice. Did not know this existed. Yeah, the wildflowers have just been going crazy out here for the past. It's very pretty. So, Phil, I'm seeing all these little white moth butterfly-looking things flying around. Are those just things that are attracted by the wildflowers, or are those the moths that... Yeah, those aren't. Those are not the yucca moths. Those, okay. But those are out. Yeah, for the flowers, absolutely. And they're very small, little bitty. Uh, if we look over here on the right side, this little pile of sticks. It's, it really just looks like a jumble of sticks, but that's actually a midden, like we were talking about earlier. Just a, just a big pile of sticks, but that is great shelter for small mammals, wood rats. Cottontail rabbits. Midden is M I D D E N. Midden. 
Yeah, it might just look like a jumble of sticks, but that's somebody's home. I just picked up one of these little yellow flowers we've been talking about. It feels like styrofoam. <laughs> it's it's squishy like styrofoam. It's really cool and it smells great. It's just sweet. Uh, over here, you can see there's a few samples. This is uh, four wing salt bush. It kind of has um, like four paper like little little leaves, and that's a a good forage for animals like the rabbits and the rats. And Native Americans even would process that into a flour. Use that to bake bread. There's a ton of resources out here if you know what you're looking for. Well, since flour's been kind of hard to find, now we know what to do, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, even the mesquite seed bean pods, we can grind up that into flour and bake some bread. Now, that would make for a very interesting exhibit. I'm, I'm all for it. You know, when I was a kid, we used to eat those beans, the mesquite beans. Eat the bean pods? Uh-huh. Yeah, the mesquite, um, once again, that six-foot-tall shrub or so with the pretty stout thorns, they will flower a yellow flower, and then they will drop their seed pods sometime in the fall. A, a whole little ring of those pretty white moths we were looking at. They're kind of, mm -hmm. they look like butterflies to me. That's what yeah. I think they are. Okay. This, um, I cannot think of the name of this plant right here, but this is a small, you know, seven inch, uh, gosh, kind of like a, kind of a wispy green plant, and it has little bitty white. I mean, tiny little white flowers, but this plant is a, it naturally contains latex. And it would take a lot of plants like this, but you could make your own rubber out of this stuff. Oh, okay. Now there you go. I've, I would never have guessed that. That's amazing. Yeah, you'll have to check the show notes for the name of that plant, but, um. That's so cool. So you're telling me you can make us some gloves if we run out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got gloves, we got flour. Hey, we're all set. Yeah. Sorry, you got. Nature provides. We just, we just need some hand sanitizer. Exactly. <laughs> which which plant produces hand sanitizer? <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we can find one. <laughs> I always tell people, you know, humans have this funny habit of filling up any silence with just silly pop culture references or whatever, but when you're walking out here, if you kind of slow down and be quiet, you'll have a better chance of seeing some wildlife. And it's not easy for us to do that here when we're doing a podcast, but anytime you're out on the trails, you know, you kind of want to do a heel to toe walk, just be quiet, stop every once in a while, look around. Because there may be some animals that are looking at you, and you might be able to see them. I like that. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of birds in the background, and I think if we were here in the stillness alone, you you could really uh, take in a lot of that. Yeah, so absolutely. it's pretty neat. Black, long beak birds flying around. I see some pretty button. They they look like wildflowers, but they're pretty hot pink. Buttony 
Yeah, they do look like spiky. They're purple, like a lavender. They're the wild disco flowers. (laughs) (laughs) Disco flowers. (laughs) The sky's really pretty today. They're just these billowy clouds, and it's blue, and there's a slight breeze. So it really is a great day for a walk. You, You wouldn't think, but it is. So the place we're coming up to now is kind of covered by trees. Each side of the trail to the right and left has trees coming over. So now we're in more of a shaded area. And there's a park bench here where you can sit and enjoy the shade of these beautiful natural trees. If y'all see this little plant here, this is what we call Mormon tea. And it is flowering. There's little yellow flowers. But um, the plant itself is just it's straight as a stick, but it's kind of soft and green. It has little flowers at the end of every every little um, stem. It, but this this plant contains ephedra, so we could make a tea out of it, get some energy. It probably wouldn't taste that good. It would taste like you boiled warm tea. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember that diet fad 20 years ago, but everybody was taking ephedra. <laughs> yes. That's where it can come from. There's another thing we could find out here. <laughs> yeah, we got some big fat white winged doves flying out of the tree we're underneath right now. We're coming around the corner here to our pond. It's an artificial pond, but still a nice place to sit and visit. It's a haven for wildlife because, of course, everybody has to have water. So there's no telling what we might be able to see if we kind of cruise in here slowly. I see a little lizard running around. Yeah, oh, it's pretty. It's a, hey, we love water, whatever, in whatever form we can find it around here. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. If we if we look here in the water. Um, there's a frog, and you see just the top of his head, there's actually two frogs right next to each other. And if I get close to them, they'll hop. They're just hanging out, too. Yep. Aww. Yeah, there's three, four of them. It's just right here on the edge of the pond. We're disturbing them. Oh, they're, they're okay. Um, this tree here we're looking at, uh, not a real big tree, but it does have these berries on it. They're kind of like orange, uh, about the size of a marble. They're transparent. You can see a seed pot inside them, but this is a soap berry. And if you take these soap berries and lather them up with water, it actually produces, it's like a soap, hence the name soap. But yeah, Native so American. hand sanitizer. We found it. Found it. We have everything we need here at the Civil Center, folks. <laughs> Everything we need. <laughs> and uh, conversely, here on the on the ground, these are a type of nightshade. These berries, uh, we wouldn't want to use these. They're actually toxic. And here on the thistle, there's one a baby, a little bitty ladybug. Yeah. I saw one flying earlier. I, I don't think I've, this is great because you're kind of hyper aware, of course, because we're doing this exercise of everything that we probably would ignore. And that's part of uh, what our our conversation is here is that you just literally stop and smell the roses or the the water coming out of the 
<laughs> the bathroom, <laughs> the porta potties, whatever. I smell the, these trees. Oh, are, the, are these trees to our left or bushes? What are these? Do you, they smell. It's really strong. Yeah, this is. Um, it is yeah, it's very strong. It's um, it's not a cedar tree, and it, it's just planted here on the edge of the golf course. Uh, <laughs> it almost feels like a fake tree. Like the feeling of it is like kind of artificial, almost like yeah. a Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely an evergreen, and that waxy, the waxy leaves helps it. It's an adaptation that helps it uh, preserve water in this hot environment. But if you squish them out between your fingers, you can really smell that fragrant scent. If you walk down to the edge of the pond here, you can see all these little bitty fish. These are these are what we call mosquito fish. Uh, they were introduced. They're not native, of course. But we have a problem with those little fish because they eat all the dragonfly larvae when they lay their eggs on the surface. It's just nice to be around water. There's something about the the stillness of the water that's just comforting, I think. Yes, it is. And we have three or four benches out here by the pond. These are just in the shade, wonderful places to come and sit. I think that if we're quiet enough, we can sneak up on some of these. Some of these plants look like oleander. It's probably, I don't know what they are, but that's what they look like to me. Not uh, oleander that isn't blooming, I guess. Oh, yeah, here's a turtle just hanging out, a red-eared slider hanging out on the surface of the water in the middle. He's diving down now to the bottom. This stuff blowing in the wind is what we call salt cedar or tamarisk. That's an invasive species for sure. It'll really uh, choke out anything else close to the water. It's got, uh, I wouldn't say fern-like leaves, but kind of long, skinny leaves with long, skinny limbs. Pretty much stands straight up. Yes, this is what I thought kind of looked like oleander to me, like the plant leaves. And here we have a bunch of down wood in the pond, and it's about six turtles sunning them. They're very small. They're neat to see they're sun tanning. Yeah. <laughs> the sunbathing turtles. <laughs> oh, they are small. Wow. And of course, these are cattails. These tall, skinny grasses here along the edge of the pond. It smells minty. Doesn't it smell like mint? Mm-hmm. I want to say this is juniper, that that evergreen we were talking about okay. earlier. There sure are a lot of them. Yeah. They kind of line the fence line, splitting the Sibley Center from the golf course next door. 
In this bush right here, it's got a lot. It's just full of big, stout thorns. It's not mesquite. It's called lote bush. And in the the fall and winter, it looks like a just a dead dead bush. But now it's leafed out. It actually is pretty. It's really pretty. I just wouldn't want to fall into one. Yeah, the thorns are sharp. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things have thorns out here. Um, and here's another one. This one does have leaves on it too, and it has a different type of thorn. These are almost like like a rose thorn, a short curve. And I think that's where it gets, gets its namesake. This is called a cat claw acacia. I was just going to say cat claw. I learned about that on my child's sixth grade trip to Prude Ranch. Oh, the kids are trying to make each other fall into the cat claw, not coal. Yeah, there's ladybugs all over the place. I saw there were some ladybug larvae the other day, and it looks like many of them have hatched. So how come... Your typical ladybug is usually like black and red. How come we see the ladybugs out here that are more orange or brown? Uh, you know, I think they can be a lot of different colors. We tend to associate that bright red and black coloration, but it's the diversity of the ladybug culture. <laughs> Look, we're heading towards some shade, everyone. Yeah, thanks. Thank goodness. Yeah, we're right now in the shade of a big willow. The willow is like water, of course. There's a little bush growing underneath the willow with those long, stout thorns. I'm not sure what that is. That's real pretty. I hadn't seen that one bloomed out before. That is pretty. It's yellow and white. Flowery bush, tall like a tree. And this is a big dead cottonwood. We took up the branches but left it because it ultimately it's habitat for all sorts of critters, birds, insects. Can you tell us a little bit about the little stops along the way where you can go and link to further information? Yeah, of course. We do have interpretive signing. Uh, all throughout the trail systems, uh, describing the different habitats. Uh, for example, this one here is draws. Draws are headwater drainage patterns leading into rivers on the Llano Estacado. Draw bottoms often have pocket forests of hackberry and siltberry trees. Draws often serve as travel corridors and winter shelters for wildlife. And, of course, we do have the QR codes, which... Link to our website and further information about these these stops. I think that's neat because that makes it fun for kids to go, oh, look, let me get more information. And yeah. I, I really and, like those times because um, you know, a lot of people with a visual impairment have iPhones because they're very user-friendly for those with an impairment. So being able to have signs like that out here with the QR code, too, they can easily read those signs from their iPhone, which is really cool. That's awesome. That's uh, good to know. Yeah, and without the signs, sometimes it's really easy to walk past something and not even notice it.
If you look here, here's something y'all may not have seen. This stuff underneath this mesquite tree is called desert holly. And you can see these leaves. They look just like holly leaves. In fact, they are. But did anybody notice oh. those? No, I didn't, I didn't mm -hmm. notice those. No, standing by. They're, they're very hidden. Yeah, they are. And this mesquite, even though I love it or hate it, it does protect a lot of other plants and uh, gives them shelter and a chance to propagate and grow, that holly in particular. But the mesquite will even uh, prevent seed dispersal, keep seeds around by blocking the wind and allowing other plants to grow there. So plants have their purpose. It's it's interesting. That's something I learned on the little tour we did at Prude Ranch. They described a lot of the plants and how purposeful they are in nature. So Yeah, it's, it's very interesting how everything uh, works together. And once again, underneath this, this mesquite, there's these midden, just the piles of dead branches that provide shelter to a lot of different critters. And here, this is... Uh, this is what we call a, a scratch or a rub. It's just a, a spot in the soil where an animal has probably a cottontail rabbit has scraped out the soil and it provides a cool spot for them to just kind of lay their belly on and get out of the sun. That's an excellent purpose. Yeah, just a little, a little uh, scratched out depression in the soil. And if you look closely on some of these branches, you'll see little gnaw marks. Those could be from from different rodents, the wood rats, cottontails, jackrabbits. Well, we sure appreciate this tour. It's been very informative and a fun experience. I think... Uh, our podcast team. This is our first interactive field trip. So uh, thank you so much, Phil, for taking us through. Uh, I hope that people will uh, listen and learn about how uh, amazing it's not just a, a piece of land to come and do your run on. There's a lot more to it. And uh, if you have a chance, you need to uh, ask Phil to give you a tour because he's an excellent tour guide. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, I got one more thing. This okay. darker soil here, this is what we call, it's, it's kind of like crust. We call that cryptobiotic soil. That, uh, this sandy soil may not be good to grow stuff in, but a lot of organic material will accumulate and eventually allow plants to take hold and grow, whereas they may not have been able to without that soil. And that takes a long time. Oh, wow. So we ask people to stay on the trails as much as possible because, you know, putting your foot on that and busting the crust will just slow that process. That's something we would never have noticed. It's pretty great. So I guess we're wrapping up the rest of the end. We're coming to the end of our tour because, gosh darn it, it's hot. <laughs> so, but thank you so much, and um, please come out to Simply Center. Thank you, Have Phil. A great day. Thank you, Phil. Thank you.